0: Ladies and gentlemen, tonight, the reigning, defending, the defending, the defending, 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 undisputed, universal heavyweight champion. Wildcat Radio 2.0. Bear down, you beautiful people. What's up, everybody? This is Wildcat Radio 2.0. I'm Adam Green. He's Brett Barry. And Arizona's fall camp has officially come to a close. Football has turned its attention to San Diego State because Brett, the season opener is well, as a record, on August 24th. Just like what, ten days away or something? This it's almost here. I I need like a. Uh football advent calendar to count
1: down the days because i'm getting pretty excited at them.
0: <laughs> yeah yeah and this is the time we're supposed to be excited of course you know arizona is undefeated um at the same time they also have as many wins as they put together in the 2020 season so you know glass half full half empty depending on your perspective but arizona's <laughs> turned their attention to san diego state because fall camp is in the rear mirror and we're going to talk to michael left from the arizona daily star later he's going to give us his take on this program what he saw with the bulk of camp because, of course, he covers Arizona in person. But, Brett, from your vantage point here and from my vantage point, we're up in Phoenix. But it seems like the things, the big things that we were hoping to get out of camp, we were hoping that Arizona would do or would show have happened, specifically Jaden DeLore, it sounds like by the end of camp, was in a much better place than he was at the beginning where it's like there's no questions of his command of the offense, his comfort level. Like It seems like, and that's the last reports we've heard, we probably won't hear any more until we see what happens against San Diego State but that Arizona has its quarterback and Arizona's quarterback is ready to go.
1: Yeah, I mean it it kind of went according to the script of what you'd hope to expect with a new quarterback learning a new system like you expect some struggles mm-hmm. and then there's a point at which it clicked and it seems like the you know the the oft talked about walkthrough after one of the practices and struggling for a week or two it all clicked and then suddenly, you know, Jaden Delora seems to be getting it and 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 you know Combine that with, you know, a lot of freshmen getting worked in at the receiver rotation, uh, you know, it's what you want to see over the course of, uh, you know, a three week uh, fall training camp. Right. And it's it, it's I don't I don't think it's um, anything that should make us any more or less optimistic about our you know cautious fan uh, optimism. Um, But it's certainly, you know, on on track with what I think our hopes and expectations would be. And we still temper our upside hopes because we are trained to assume the worst. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Like damn you, Chipotle, for making us all freak out for three days. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Welcome to being an Arizona fan, right? And the Wildcats had their mock game last weekend down at Arizona Stadium. And some of the reports, like I'm reading Brian Peterson on AZ Desert Storm. We had him on last week. His, his rust, as you said, Delora unofficially 252 yards and a touchdown on 16 to 21 passing. That's good. He also had a scramble for a two-point conversion because we know his legs are a part of his game. Had Dorian Singer had an 11-yard touchdown catch. Said, you know, Rayshon Speedy Luke had that 70-yard touchdown on T-Mac had 78 yards on four catches. And the guys, like some of the freshmen, you mentioned that, are getting a lot of looks here. But the ones that you feel like Arizona is going to rely on or in a perfect world could rely on, yeah. I mean, Speedy Luke, he's fast, right? (laughs) Like that is a dynamic type of talent where he don't have to be a junior to have speed and to outrun defensive backs and defensive players. So he's going to be such a weapon for Arizona. T-Mac, the size. And there's been reports about how he's learned how to use his size and his strength to his advantage, which – Of course, he didn't know how to do that because in high school, he was just bigger. (laughs) He wouldn't have to try to use that. Now he's learned that. And there's still a lot of room for these guys to grow a lot. They're going to make mistakes. But the reports have been, and it's been consistent across the board, that the players Arizona is most likely to rely on. This is offensively, of course. Players are most likely to rely on. Look like they're ready to help, ready to contribute. And then, of course, Deuce Davis, a true freshman who sounds like he's just going to force his way onto the field. I... And also, knock on wood, there's still ten, eleven days before the season opener. But Arizona seems to be fairly healthy, you know. There's guys like Drayden Stukes who's been out, um, and Jalen John hasn't done much of anything recently. And of course, there was the few days where Delora and Jacob Cowan, we didn't remember like what's going on here. But the big injury—I say that knowing that by the time people listen to this podcast, maybe something will have changed. But as of right now, it seems like Arizona has avoided that, oh, geez, you know, had to be that guy at this time type of injury.
1: Yeah, no, and that's, a, that's, a, that's the biggest thing you want out of spring football or any point in the offseason all the way through up until the first game that you want to avoid injury. And I'll even, I'll even raise you one thing, Adam. Like The things you wanted to see come out of camp um, with the massive roster turnover You know, oftentimes you get to fall camp and these guys you have hopes and expectations for high ratings or transfers, you know, they're like, hey, they're like buried in the depth chart. Yeah. Um, You know, all reports are with a massive turnover that the guys you're hoping, uh, the freshmen, the newcomers from the transfer portal, all the guys you're looking for to, you know, hit right the hit rate seems real high, uh, which has not been the case for a lot of Arizona rosters the last five, six years, you know, some of those guys that, uh, you know, prior coaching staffs took took flyer on, like we talked last week about Paris Shands, seem mm-hmm. to be starting to pop a little bit, but boy, you go. To, I, I actually, earlier today, went down the list of, you know, the commits from the last year or two, and look at, like, you know, early returns on true freshmen, like you, you mentioned Deuce Davis, uh, T-Mac, which, I mean, T-Mac's not a surprise, Deuce Davis, I think, is a surprise where he's going to see the field as a true freshman mm-hmm. that's even undersized, right, uh, Big Jonah, uh, JD, you know, Jaden Delora's looking like he's going to play. Jonah Coleman's going to clearly play. Uh, D.J. Williams, the transfer, is clearly going to play. If not, you know, get the uh, the lion's share of the carries. You know, Jonah uh, you
0: Coleman's know, been coming on strong. Yeah. Towards the, the end of camp, yeah. The, you know,
1: it's, it's very clear that there's, I mean, there's some guys that aren't going to necessarily see the snaps that we'd love to see everybody come in and crush it um but like the fact that you're seeing these guys come in gives me a lot of hope of uh jed fish and staff as talent evaluators as well Mm -hmm. um and seeing early returns you know granted it's from you know a roster that needed a massive upgrade (laughs) but to see like like there's there's guys that were pretty well regarded in recent classes that you know like like james Bowles i think was the highest overall rated recruit uh in the last class before this top 25 one and I haven't heard his name, but I don't necessarily think that means he's not going to eventually do something. But it tells you that Jonah Coleman and TJ Williams, combined with Stevie Rocker and the other guys on the roster, are just ahead of him, right? Yeah. A, in the running back room.
0: Well, one um, guy, too, Anthony Simpson, for example, oh. a second-year player, a receiver who played a little bit last season. We saw him make some plays, you know, what few plays there were offensively. He had a hand in some of them. He earned the number one jersey for offense, and it's more for a special team's work. It's like, I know, Fish is like, who's working hard? Like, who is doing everything they're supposed to be doing? Who's going above and beyond? And doesn't necessarily have to be offensive. He's just whoever's doing that work. And Simpson is going to be the offensive player because he's not going to be on the field at the same time as Jalen Harris. But that's a guy who we don't really talk about much, right? Like, especially in the receiver room. He seems to be buried, and yet he's earning recognition because he has been I – mean, that's not to say the other players haven't been playing hard and doing well. But something Anthony Simpson did, his offseason – mattered it stood out and he's someone that we're not even talking about or saying that air is going to be relying on to make plays and here's guys like well if he was one of their best players doesn't it stand to reason that he's gonna you know factor into this season
1: well i mean i th- i think and you know we've talked about in the past with basketball that being really good at one skill is the most overrated thing and being well-rounded is the most underrated quality in a player i think anthony simpson fits that mold like he might be the first wide receiver off the bench for any of the three starting wide receiver positions and not mm-hmm. all guys can fill the slot or be on the outside, et cetera. And he's, you know, a clear, you know, top of the line guy in terms of the special teams coverage units. Right. And the and he might be returning kicks, right. Or certainly on the kick return unit. Right. Uh, he's a Swiss army knife that, it, it, I mean, you saw last year that the guy was kind of a freak athlete. Right. Yeah. But he was, you know, he's, super young playing in you know in a in a in a a not one win program in two years he's probably not seen the field for a couple years uh but he got some valuable experience and clearly has a good attitude and is willing to you know do the little things that you know help a team win so i i would have never guessed anthony simpson we were you know you and i were talking about trying to do a prediction of who's going to get the other number one jersey he would
0: not have been yeah because we, we haven't we, even thought about him at all because you get, he gets overshadowed by T-Mac, by Jones, by Green, by Speedy Luke, <laughs> just so, by Keon Burnett. There's so many of these guys, you're like, wow, those are the players we're focusing on, and here's Anthony Simpson just quietly doing everything and earning that jersey number.
1: But the, those are the kind of players that, you know, as much as stars, you know, win you games, like you'd need a whole roster full of guys like Anthony Simpson that do all the little things to help you win um, so I, I kind of, I was surprised when, when he was getting, uh, awarded the number one jersey, but also I am pretty, pretty satisfied by it because I think it also sets a tone for the culture of the program.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure one guy who may not be surprised that Anthony Simpson got the jersey is Michael Love who covers Arizona football for the Arizona daily star. You know, what? but let's take a break and we come back, let's talk to Michael Lev and get his thoughts on where Arizona is now just more than a week away from the season opener against San Diego state. Welcome back to Wildcat Radio 2.0, and we're excited to be joined by Michael Love of the Arizona Daily Star, one of our favorite guests. And, Michael, welcome back to Wildcat Radio
2: 2.0. Thanks for having me, guys. How are we doing?
0: Good, good, of course. Now we're going to talk some football here. Fall camp has officially come to a close, and you're kind of the last in our series of people who have been covering the program and getting a first hand up-close look at the Arizona. And everyone up to this point has basically said Arizona is just there's a bunch of dudes on this team, right? Like there's just more talent. No one's accusing them of being good this season, but there's this general thought that Arizona is certainly much improved over what we saw last season. And I imagine the year before that is that, is that your assessment as well?
2: Uh, no question about it. Um, they've upgraded at a lot of spots, important spots, um, quarterback, you know, being at the top of that list, it was, you know, a position that they never really truly figured out or felt great about. Last year, um, started with Gunnar Cruz, then it was Will Plummer, then it was Jordan McLeod, multiple injuries, then it was Will, kind of the last guy standing. He did okay at times, never great, um, played his heart out. You know, I think he deserves some respect and admiration for that. He was hurt a lot last year, maybe more than we knew. Or maybe we kind of figured that out once he had surgery, you know, at the end of spring.
0: It's usually a a Um, clue, right?
2: (laughs) So, yeah. And they bring in Jaden DeLora, who is the Pac-12 freshman of the year, led the league in passing yards uh, per game. He has a lot of experience. He's played in the Pac-12, and he was able to participate in spring practice and kind of use that as a transition phase um going from the run and shoot offense to the pro style system that jed fish runs so i think it starts with that um they've added a ton of skill position talent at all of the positions running back tight end and wide receiver. some really exciting young players um the concerns remain the concerns though and i'm sure that that will get to those
1: yeah so michael you've been around uh a number of programs over the years, despite your status as a very clearly young, uh, successful professional. Um, but have you ever, I, I'm curious to know your perspective in terms of, you know, there's a talent upgrade, clearly, and it's hard to not have a talent upgrade from a team that won one game in two seasons. But how do you uh, look at this Arizona roster? And I think something like 47 newcomers are in the roster. i 50. Uh, I mean, yeah, and there's yeah. A 50 out of, what, 85 scholarships and 100 and something, you know, with change. Have you, I guess my questions are, have you ever seen that kind of turnover in a, in a Power Five or, you know, Group of Five type program? And how do you assess a team that has had so much changeover over the course of 12 months?
2: Well, I heard on another podcast today that Oklahoma also has 50 new players this year which i mean with the coaching change and all the kind of upheaval that that program has had it somewhat makes sense and i think you can you can get to that number with like a recruiting class um plus portal acquisitions plus walk-ons which is the formula uh here at arizona as well to get to that to that number of 50 it is hard to figure out what they're going to be like i kind of i wouldn't say i got into it but i got into a you know, a discussion with some of the, the statistical gurus out there. Um, Bill Connolly of ESPN and Rob uh, Bowren, of um, Betarank, And I was just asking them, like, why is the gap so big between Arizona state and Arizona and your projections? And, you know, they were like, well, a lot of it is based on recent history and last year, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm kind of like, well, These teams have totally changed since last year. Both of them. I mean, Arizona's gotten noticeably better. And ASU, I think, has gotten pretty markedly worse in a lot of ways. I mean, they lost. The guys they lost to the portal, like, look who they were and where they went, Mm -hmm. you know, compared to the guys that Arizona lost in the portal. Um, And then look at the guys that they picked up along the way. Um, Look at their recruiting classes. Um, So it is difficult to really kind of nail it down, um, just how much better they're going to be. But I think when you look at the schedule, um, you can see a path to four to six wins, six maybe being the absolute ceiling if everything broke the right way.
0: Well, that's the interesting thing, too, because that's the expectations that most people didn't have going to year two of the Jetfish era. Say a year ago, or even six months ago, and I'm wondering too for Jed Fish, who took over this program, knowing it was going to be a project, a rebuilding project. Has he kind of been a different coach this year? Not only because he's a little more comfortable, but because he looks at this roster and knows that it's better than the one he had last season.
2: I don't think he's coaching uh, any differently. He did say that he you know, spent a lot of time in the off season doing some self reflection, you know, analyzing his own. Um, coaching, play calling, game management, et cetera. He was a rookie coach last year. There's a lot of things you can learn. Um, I didn't have a ton of gripes with his game management, but there were a couple times like felt like he did a couple things if he did a couple things differently in the NAU game, the outcome could have been different. I, this is this is kind of off track, but I think you guys will appreciate it. I was looking through Kyle um, Ostendorp's game logs. <laughs> <laughs> as one does oh, that was, <laughs> and you punter. too
0: is that Saturday night because same same yeah <laughs> right.
2: so he had 11 touchbacks last year okay and four of them came in the Colorado game you know altitude maybe it's a bit of a, an adjustment and four of them came in the NAU game and after I saw that I thought to myself why are you punting against NAU so often from around midfield <laughs> you know what I mean um <laughs> Which obviously that that you know usually if you're punting around midfield that's when you when you might have a touchback so um, I think you know Jed will try to learn uh, from some of the mistakes he made last year but I think where you're going to see a difference is some of the same plays that he called last year are going to work better now because he has better players you know uh, I think the number one gripe that people had with him was his play calling. Why is he doing the play calling if he's also the head coach? It's just always, you know, it is the lowest-hanging fruit. It's the easiest thing to pounce on. We all do it. I do it, too. I just think it's, you know, it's a lot easier to call plays when you have good players. And he's got more good players now.
1: I I can just hear uh, red zone coming out of all of our uh, (laughs) subconscious there when you say that. But in terms of coaching changes also, i I'd be really curious to hear your perspective, Michael, on you know everybody loved Don Brown and there was a market improvement in the defense last year, but also you know I was at the game in Pullman. I saw the the downside of that scheme with the, the personnel uh, in terms of you know the safeties getting burned and it's is that the talent level, is the scheme, it's probably both. What's your early read on on the defense, which didn't lose the team uh, a lot of games last year compared to the offense. But, you know, is that I think the offense is clearly just talent upgraded. I guess my question to you is, is the defense scheme uh, appropriate for the talent level and maybe talent upgraded this year with with Nansen and at the helm?
2: Yeah, I've been really impressed with Johnny Nansen so far. Um, What I like about his approach is he just kind of keeps it simple. You know, I don't think they're going to do anything too complicated. I don't think they're going to have a million different packages. Um, You know, they're going to play more zone. You try to, you know, keep the ball, minimize big plays, keep the ball in front, eyes on the quarterback. Maybe that'll lead to more interceptions. Um, To me, like, I, I know people, again, they get caught up in play calling. There's only so many plays you can call uh, on defense. A lot, a lot of it's pretty reactionary. Um, I am an advocate of being fundamentally sound, tackling well, being in the right positions, taking the right angles, being smart. You know, um, studying your studying the other team's tendencies. You know, and maybe anticipating a play. Um, I don't think that it needs to be overly complicated, and I don't think he's going to make it overly complicated. Um, They did improve in certain areas last year, for sure. Um, I think they shaved 100 yards per game uh, off the the total yards allowed, which is awesome, obviously. They also had only six takeaways, which was tied for the fewest uh, in the country. And that you you just can't win uh, being as far underwater in the turnover table as they were combined with their nation-worst, red zone touchdown percentage i mean those two things combined um just kind of a formula for disaster
1: you know you 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 talked a little bit about some of the position and talent upgrades and i feel like the defense is a bit of a dichotomy there where there's some groups where we feel pretty strong and i would imagine there's a couple position groups even in the new scheme where there's maybe some potential weaknesses um you know I'm, i'm i'm mostly curious because i'm an arizona wildcat fan and therefore i always worry about the downside I'm curious to hear your perspective on, you know, the safeties and the linebackers in the new scheme. Uh, you know, I, I I'm I, I I I co-host a podcast but I'm not a football guy inherently, but I could see Jaden, you know, JY getting burned at Washington State for felt felt like a touchdown every third play. Um, I'm curious to know your perspective with the new scheme, is it more appropriate for the safeties? And the, the linebacker unit, I think, is a bit of a question because there's not that much proven talent there compared to some of the other groups. Can you speak to those groups?
2: Yeah, I mean, linebacker is definitely a question mark. You know, Jerry Roberts, I think we all feel pretty good about him being solid veteran, been around the block a time or two. Um, he's healthy now after he got hurt in that game uh, against Washington State last year on the first play. Um, he, you know, he's going to be kind of that guy. Everybody else is inexperienced or undersized or both. Um, so definitely have some concerns there. Um, I mean, I think Kobe Cage and, and Amon Allen can play in space. I don't know if they can hold up against the run um, at this point in their careers. They're both kind of converted safeties um, who have been moved into linebacker positions. Like Malik Reed looks like what you want a weak side linebacker to look like. He's about 6 feet tall, 230 pounds, like chiseled. But he seems like he's had a difficult time staying healthy. Um, just kind of in and out of the lineup a lot during the offseason, and I think that's probably hampered his development. Uh, in the secondary, they moved some guys around, uh, just playing slightly different positions than they were before. Um, We'll see how it adds up. I feel pretty good, and they do as well, about the Jackson-Turner-Christian Young combo. Uh, I think depth is definitely a worry at safety. Nickel is a question mark, to be sure. I think Gunnar Maldonado is going to be the the first guy up, and Jaden Young behind him. You know how much they struggled uh, in slot coverage. You saw it in that game, especially Jaden. Jaden, look, to be perfectly frank, Jaden Young had a Difficult year last year. He gave up a lot of touchdowns. He missed a lot of tackles. His PFF grade was not great. Um, But I think he was also thrust into a position that he shouldn't have been thrust into. Former walk-on, still technically a freshman. Just too much to put on his plate um, at that point in his career. Um, So, you know, he's behind Gunner. Right now, they, they talked about that nickel position being kind of a combo corner safety that they're going to rush the passer sometimes from that spot. They're going to be tasked with supporting the run. And the part that worries me is covering slot receivers. Um, so that's why, you know, it, 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 one thing that Dwayne Walker said about this, though, that I think is worth noting. It's like in the NFL, you are much more apt to see man coverage. From that position, it's like what we're going to do is going to be a lot more zone. So maybe that will kind of help to cover up uh, for some of the the inexperience, um, maybe the you know lack of speed slash athleticism compared to the slot receivers that they're going to be facing in the Pac-12.
0: We're talking to Michael Love here of the Arizona Daily Star here on Wildcat Radio 2.0. You mentioned that secondary. Some of the recruits I'm most excited about, Prysock, Takario Davis, these are guys who, you know, they're freshmen, but they have the size, they have the athletic ability, and I'm curious, kind of maybe starting with them, but just looking at this top 25 class as a whole, you know, who is Arizona going to rely on and who is good enough to be relied on week one right because sometimes you have freshmen out there like you just need them to play because you have no one else which of these guys are truly ready to come in week one San Diego State and make a quality impact or a Pac-12 level impact
2: yeah well starting with Priceock and Cario Davis um, you would not believe if you saw him in person like how tall and long to Davis is like it, we when we first saw him we were all like just stunned like how could this dude be this tall like he probably grew a couple inches since they first started recruiting him, but like he and Prysock are legit 6'3", 6'4", um, and they got a great education, getting a ton of reps against really good receivers during training camp. If everybody's healthy, which they're not right now, because Trading Stooks is working his way back from some sort of leg injury, uh, Prysock would be the 4, and Takario would be the 5, but if any one of those top three is is hurt, then they move up uh, a spot. And you could see them in games, I think, ideally, uh, really limiting them to spot usage and, and playing them on special teams. There aren't that many other guys on defense who, uh, from that top 25 recruiting class um, who are going to make a huge impact. The one who, stand, who stood out the most so far is Russell Davis, the second. Uh, the biggest breakout surprise of camp they just couldn't block him. I mean, they could not block him off the edge, even though he might be 215 pounds right now um, and could really use uh, an offseason in the weight room. But they can't block him and they can't keep him off the field because he's too good. So he's going to be out there probably in, in you know third down packages, dime packages, uh, something of that nature, getting after the quarterback. The guys that you really want to pay attention to from the class are mostly on offense Tetsuro McMillan, uh, the Ballyhoo wide receiver um, from, you know, Servite, uh, his high school classmate, Kian Burnett, looks exactly like you want a you know, budding star tight end uh, to look like. Um, so that's another one. The running backs, Jonah Coleman uh, and uh, Rayshon Luke, great kind of thunder and lightning potential with those two. Uh, Jonah Sava Inaya, uh, legit starting guard as a freshman, you know, out of Hawaii. Um, again, someone who absolutely positively looks the part. 6'3, 6'4, 320, uh, in great shape. So um, very, I think, I think Arizona fans are gonna like what they see out of this kind of exciting. Uh, young offense. If the offensive line holds up, there's a lot of weapons um, that can do a lot of damage. So that that brings me to my next
1: question for you, uh, Michael. You know, you talk about Big Jonah. I'm not going to try to pronounce his last name, because I'm just not going to try. Uh, And You talk about Deuce Davis, who's been hard to block on the defensive line. You know, I'm a schizophrenic Arizona fan, so I alternate between you know, optimism and pessimism 23 times a day, and I feel like the the two lines kind of epitomize that. You know, the O-line I feel okay about, but I have serious concerns. The D-line I feel really good about. Um, tell me why I should be more optimistic about the offensive line, and tell me why I shouldn't be as optimistic about the defensive line. Talk talk some sense into me.
2: <laughs> okay. Okay, I think I understand your Wait, question. Wait, so he
0: wants to be talked off the ledge and pushed closer to the ledge at the same time. That's weird.
2: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, well... Um, you got a lot of experience coming back on the O line. Other than Big Jonah, everyone's a returning starter. They've all been in this system for a full year, which I think is helpful. Jordan Morgan is healthy, which is a big deal. He wasn't healthy all of last year, um, and it showed. He did not play great. It's very inconsistent. Um, great year and great offseason in the weight room for him. So there are high hopes. Um, so you're kind of just relying on all of those things. Depth is a concern there. Um, I think they feel, I mean, they, they were talking about eight or nine. I think they feel pretty good about probably seven guys at this point. Um, you'd like that number to be closer to nine than seven as far as the guys that you trust. So we'll see how that goes. I know what you're saying about the defensive line. Like, it looks pretty good on paper. I like a lot of the parts. Up there, um, I really like Paris Shand. I think there's a ton of untapped potential there. Um, I think he could be a breakout player this season. Um, and on the inside, alongside Keon Barr, who I think is going to be healthy and will continue to thrive. I think Hunter Eccles was a nice acquisition on the edge. Jalen Harris, like, God, he's gotten so much bigger um, than when he first got here. I think he's listed at 6'6", 275 now. And when he came in, he was like 6'4". Two fifteen. 15 um i don't know how you grow that much over the course of your high college career but good for jalen um i'm a little i'm a little little bit concerned about the depth there which i i felt good about a couple weeks ago but i don't know tia Sabea out of practice for like the latter half of training camp jb brown um you know he didn't play in 2020 he played four games in 2021 and then didn't play the rest of the season um not totally sure you know that he's going to be someone that they can rely on and when you start kind of chipping away a little bit at the at the those numbers there you know then you start to get a little worried about that interior depth and then you start to have to maybe move up some guys that you might want to you know red shirt ideally you know like Jacob Congeica, the guy that they got from a modern day, might be a steal um, in the recruiting class. You know, really good-looking freshman. I don't think they want to play him a ton of snaps. You know, you don't want to have to play someone um, like that a bunch of snaps. But you know, if the if the depth isn't what they thought on the inside, they're going to have to.
0: So that welcome to being Arizona, I guess. Brett has every reason to be excited and worried, especially along in the trenches, where of course football games are often win or loss. Looking at this team, though, the transfers that they brought in for through the portal, it seems like they're going to not only rely on a lot of these guys, but probably get good production. You know, quarterback for sure. Number one receiver transfer. Some guys, Hunter Eccles, had a great camp from everything we've heard. Looking at this transfer group, compared to even like last year's transfer group, it seems like just Arizona can look at this and say, yeah, these guys will help this season. Is that is that what you've seen?
2: Well, certainly like the, the top. Level guys for sure, you know the um, the Jaden Delora, Jacob Cowing, Hunter Eccles trio. Um, I mean those guys are all slated for huge roles. Um, Stanley Berryhill was good last year. Like I think Jacob Cowing is kind of a rich man's Stanley Berryhill. He's got a little bit more speed, a little bit more ability to get uh, get down the field. Um, they're similarly built um and stan i mean stanley had a really terrific year last year he's you know he scored one touchdown if you guys remember that touchdown um i think he came against san diego state I'm mm-hmm. not and it was either san diego state or nau it was like it was like a bubble screen
0: bounced and off some guys yeah
2: it was like 43 yards and i think he had about 44 yards of yak yeah. on that play which you know what i mean like he's kind of doing all the work he was great on special teams um, I mean, if Jacob Cowling gets as many touches as Stanley had last year, I think he'll, he'll generate more yards and he'll score more touchdowns. We talked about Jaden DeLora um, at the top. Um, Hunter Eccles has played a lot of football games on some pretty darn good teams. And he's also familiar with um, Johnny Nansen's way of doing things because they were together there at USC. So, yeah, they wanted guys um, who could come in and play. I think that's always the goal Um, when you're talking about the portal. There there could be some cases where it's kind of developmental players. Oh, you know, another one we should mention is is DJ Williams, um, the running back from uh, Florida State slash Auburn. He's going to alternate, I think, with Michael Wiley. Different kind of back. Um, Think about more of a Jalen John type, you know, bigger, physical, uh, like one step and run downhill uh, kind of guy I think he, he's someone to keep an eye on as well
1: so we, we've talked about how hard it is to protect this predict this roster and what it'll look like on the field with so many new guys and we've been talking about them. I think it's kept in that time in the in our conversation Michael what's your what's your outlook for Arizona this season We know the schedule is not forgiving, uh, especially the non-conference. What's what's a reasonable expectation for this team?
2: Yeah, I mean, I mentioned a win, a potential win total in the four to six range, and I think it really largely depends on how they fare in the non-conference portion of the schedule. There are scenarios where you could see them going zero and three, frankly, and there are scenarios where you could see them going three and zero. Um, if they can somehow come out of those games two and one, um, I think. You'd be feeling pretty good about things. I think they would have a, a chance to go maybe five and seven, if that were the case. Um, winnable games to start Pac-12 play against Cal and Colorado. Then there's this really rough stretch in the middle, like this this just brutal five game slog. Um, I don't have it in front of me, but I think it's Oregon, Washington, USC, Utah, UCLA, in in, right. in some order. And with a bye week thrown in there, but that's rough. I mean, if you can win one of those games, you know, you you, you might be kind of ahead of the game. And then they finish at home uh, with Washington State and Arizona State, which if they can, you know, stay healthy and still be in a good place physically and mentally after that five-game stretch, those are winnable uh, games at the end as well. So, you know, anything would represent progress after last year. Um, I think if they if they can get to four wins... Um, and beat ASU at the end of the season, I think that would represent a successful year.
0: And I think Arizona fans would take that too, especially if the freshmen play well, the new players coming in are the reason for it. Then I think you'd look to say, Jed Fish and the staff, they know how to recruit. They're bringing in the right kind of talent to turn this program around. So this season, it should be fun. Or at least it hopefully will be more fun than last season and definitely more fun than the season before that for you to cover Michael Lev, Arizona Daily Star. You can follow him on Twitter at MichaelJLev. As always, like to have you give, give you a chance to plug anything that's coming up down the Arizona Daily Star on the Wildcaster app. What should people be looking forward to from you?
2: Yeah, we have a special section coming out mm. uh, in our Sunday paper. I think in all likelihood that material will start rolling out maybe Friday afternoon, certainly Saturday um, on our app and on our website. And I did a really, uh, I'm still working on it, in-depth roster breakdown to just really kind of examine the rebuild. So we'll have some cool pie charts, you know? I know everyone likes a pie chart, right? Oh, yeah, love them. Yeah.
0: Love a good pie chart. Michael. That's
2: that's something to
0: look for. Can't wait to see that. Thanks again for joining us on Wildcat Radio 2.0, and hopefully we'll catch up with you down the road during the season. Thanks, fellas. All right, that's Michael Levin. We come back. We'll go through the rest of our depth chart before week one against San Diego State. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. We're back. It's Wildcat Radio 2.0. And thanks again to Michael Love, the Arizona Daily Star. Always love having him on the pod, Brett. He gives such great analysis. Of course, you know, we've had a few different people. We had Justin Spears, one of his colleagues at the Daily Star. We had Brian Peterson, amazing Desert Swarm. And to get these perspectives of people who are following the program day in, day out, have been down at camp watching everything that's going on. Like, it's been so valuable. But to Michael's point, like, he confirms, like, this is a much better team than it was last season talent-wise. But... You know, it kind of pushed you t- closer to the legend. Some areas, too, understanding that his th- was like four to six wins, maybe four to five, depending on if things go right. And it's Arizona football, so why should we assume things will go right?
1: <laughs> yeah, we. I mean, it's funny. I followed him and uh, Rob Bowron of uh, you know of. Cash. Uh, uh, you know, I'm blanking on his. Beta rank. Model. Yeah. Beta rank. A friend and of the pod. Th- Rob's great. Yeah, and I followed I followed his thread, and it's like it's a hard thing to model when. The majority of the team is fundamentally different, right? Like, mm-hmm. how do you how do you effectively model that? And I think even Rob would say, like, it takes four or five games once guys actually see the field to know what you have, right? Um, and we saw that with the you know our guest McAle- with McAleese Sports, where it's you know Arizona's probably going to win somewhere between zero and twelve games <laughs> at a roughly even distribution. Um, it's 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 a hard team to quite figure out. I think we all know why Arizona has only won one game in the last two years in terms of talent, but we also know why they only won one game in the last two years with, like, you know, the COVID restrictions uh, and the, the cutting out non-conference two years ago. And Arizona also was competitive against some good teams last year that they just didn't have the depth to survive. Like, look at the Utah game after mm-hmm. Cal last year, right? Yeah, maybe the
0: Washington um, game where they kind of wore down late.
1: Yeah, I mean, they, shoot. Uh, Arizona had a, was within one score in the fourth quarter at Oregon in a game in which their starting quarterback threw five interceptions at them. That's yeah. nonsense. Like, <laughs> how, how do you explain that? And I think that's it, it's it's where we're all kind of sitting in this weird. I I don't know what to expect. I think I want to get excited, but I'm also you know once burned, you're not going to let yourself get too excited again. Uh, but honestly, that's kind of the the fun part of of sports and especially of college sports.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to predict this. Like you had what, forty seven, Michael has fifty new players on this roster between transfers and freshmen and like the walk ons and all that stuff. And how can you predict the future based on the past when the past is almost irrelevant? You know, when you're gonna have a new quarterback, when you have probably what, three new receivers, I mean Dorian Singer, I guess will be one of them and he played a little bit last year, but he's basically new. You know, <laughs> defensively, hey, you're, yeah, your secondary is going to be altogether different, too. Your offensive line adds a new guard. That's a hopefully healthy left tackle in Jordan Morgan, who wasn't healthy last season. So there is a lot of change on this team. And the hope is that the change has been for the better. And it's hard to imagine it being for the worse. <laughs> but, you know, can these guys make an impact? That's why I was curious to hear Lev's perspective on that, because Arizona's relying on a lot of new players to be good. And the fact that they've shown out to be good, at least in camp. You know, they're not underwhelming. They are at least playing two expectations, if not exceeding them, that's a good sign. Now will it transfer from camp to games? Obviously that's the million dollar question here. You know, just because Arizona looks yeah. good against Arizona doesn't mean Arizona doesn't look good against San Diego State or North Dakota State or Mississippi. You know, it doesn't say that, but you feel better about it. Like if Arizona looked miserable in camping, that's what we caught last season. It was like, eh, you know, the quarterbacks were inconsistent. One of them might have been the best of the you know, least bad of the bunch, and you know, that's a small team like those were the reports trying to hedge like, oh, maybe it's not so bad. And it was bad, but they right. played hard. So now the thought is if they play hard and have talent like this year's team, who knows what can happen. So, you know, Brett, we have a little bit more of our depth chart breakdowns to go through here. Last, season, last week, we did the defensive line and we did special teams. That leaves us with the rest of the defense. So let's start at linebacker. You mentioned that, too. Lev brought it up as well. As just There's some questions. You feel good about Jay Roberts. He's not a star, but he's solid. Malik Reed right now is kind of projected to be one of the starters. He looks the part if he can stay healthy. Hunter Eccles has been one of the stars of camp. Uh, there's, of those, let's say those three guys. Okay, like you can, can you count on any of them to be stars? No. Can you count on them to be solid? Probably. But where do they figure in? And then, of course, they death behind them like that is kind of a worrisome spot.
1: Well, I think... I think some of the question here is even what exactly does the scheme and like the base defense look like? Like you mentioned, Hunter Echols, is he a, a, a pass rush outside linebacker or is he a four-two-five defensive end or are they going to go more four-three? Yeah, I mean,
0: I think of it, it as more play, of a right? more of a linebacker, but kind of like a stand-up defensive end linebacker type. Yeah. But yeah.
1: But, it, but even like you know you you said jerry uh jerry roberts and malik reed i'm not i'm not sure Kobe cage doesn't start over malik reed i think jerry roberts is is, is pretty locked in i think Kobe cage is a guy that if he's not starting he's going to see a lot of snaps uh, same with malik reed uh i think that group uh combined with uh and allen you know out of out of gilbert arizona uh i have to plug that as somebody that's from gilbert there you go um you know a walk-on guy that earned a scholarship that has exceeded expectations. You know, I don't. I'll put. I'll put it this way. I don't think there's. I, if you're looking for star power out of the linebacker room, I think you're going to be looking for a while. But is there competence there, and is there a reasonable amount of depth, especially in a system that may only have two linebackers on the field on average at a give on a given play? I I I feel okay about the room. Is that a is that a is that a fair grade?
0: I I don't know because like you mentioned, how Kobe Cage might. Get more reps, and that's fine. But is it because he is that good, or because what's ahead of him isn't that good? Right, and that's kind of what Lev's point too was. Like, Colby Cage, he's not a big guy, but like he's been okay. You know, like that. Could he see the field? Will he see the field? Like, are, will he see the field because he's ready to, or because and because he's good enough, or is he going to see the field because there's no other options? That's what I worry about here. Not to say that there's not talent in this room, because Malik Reed, he was at Wisconsin for a reason. He's talented. He just looks huge, right? But he has trouble staying healthy. Colby Cage, great football name, just horrific football name. Like he should be a you know, a stud linebacker, but is he ready? The redshirt freshman to contribute that way? Amon Allen, like the walk on, like he's impressed. We've heard a lot of good things about him, but is he good enough to play in that role? So I feel comfortable with Jerry Roberts in that he's solid, you know. I and mean, he kind of came in late last year and got hurt in that Washington State game that you mentioned earlier. That was just oh so great. You know, but hey, at least they got Delora on Arizona this time, so he can't do that to them. But I'm comfortable with Jay Roberts being able to do his job, but he's not a star. So, do they have stars? Do they need stars? If the defensive line does its job, then the linebackers will look better, right? If they can occupy blockers, Keon Bars, Paris Shan, Jalen Harris, if they can do their job, then it's going to be easier for those linebackers. They'll have a lot more room, a lot more just freedom to get to the ball carrier, to get to the quarterback, so they'll look better. But I'd like more proven like. I'd like more proven talent, and I'd like more star potential. And I'm not sure this group has enough proven talent, and I'm not sure how much star potential it has. So in terms of when we look at this depth chart, to me it is one of the weaker positions on the team.
1: I think all that's very fair. I not to so like Sterling Roberts. Lane
0: will be good in the future, right? But yeah. he's a freshman. you so like – for this oh, and season,
1: is, and is he a linebacker in a four-two-five system or a defensive end? Like it's 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 that that kind of amorphous pass rusher type, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I think Jerry Roberts, I think exceeded expectations last year, and I think he has proven himself. And for what he lacks in star power, I think he might be, the, you know, the truest leader of the defense from like a maturity standpoint, and just like a guy that wants to get his job done, which I think has has significant value um and yet you know i i think your your comments are fair i do you know one thing i think we will have a very clear sense of this room uh in you know what 10 days or whatever it is when the first game is against san diego state because they're going to run the ball right yeah um and i i have faith that the defensive line like we talked about is going to be at least you know decent um overall which should enable these guys to, you know, make plays, specifically in stopping the run. And San Diego State's going to try to run the ball, right? Oh, yeah. Like they they manhandled Arizona last year uh, on both sides of the ball. Yeah, in they, every
0: way know, they could be manhandled.
1: They just they just it was it was a physical beatdown, right? Um,
0: but at least Arizona was going to rebound against NAU.
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm just going to gloss past that one. <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, so I, I think we're gonna have a real clear sense of the linebacking crew after that game. Um, you know, I don't think that former multi time commit quarterback Braxton burst uh to Arizona Bur- Braxton Burstma Burmeister, Burmeister. Uh, I don't know if he's uh, gonna set the world on fire with passing against Arizona and knowing San Diego State historically just you know, they're gonna try to pound it out, uh, unless something changes. So I think we're gonna know real fast. I feel I, I think the my, my word for the linebacking room would be, like, maybe better than okay is, like, a, 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 a multi-syllable version of that is serviceable. Yeah. Is that, is that a fair framing? Um, I think Malik Reed could become a really good player. I think Colby Cage has some upside. I think Jerry Roberts is what he is. Um, you know, I'd like to see more star power and potential there, which I'm not sure. There's some intriguing guys on the roster that are probably going to redshirt. Um, There's
0: some intrigue at that position.
1: Yeah, like we're not even talking about guys like Mojo weirds who are like, you know, th- there's no other good football name. You know, it's there's no really talk of him seeing the field, but you don't uh, you don't necessarily, you know, w- want that uh, <laughs> out of out of a young guy. Right. Uh, or uh, who's the linebacker out of Massachusetts? I'm playing on that was a pretty like a oh, little high three. Tyler low. Martin. Yeah. Tyler Martin. Like, you know, he's going to be a guy that's going to see the field eventually unless he was just a a, a, you know a big miss in recruiting but he's also a guy that you don't necessarily want to be relying on as a true freshman yeah so there is
0: depth maybe there is potential for next season the year after guys who maybe will be ready to go but for this season at least arizona's linebacker group has some question marks okay let's go past them in the let's go behind them now the secondary let's start with the cornerbacks I actually feel pretty good about the cornerbacks on this team, I'll be honest. You know, Christian Roman Wallace is top-notch. He is a legit number-one cornerback. He's going to play on Sundays. After him, you know, it would help if Stooks is healthy, of course, because he played his way into being the number-two cornerback. I don't think Isaiah Rutherford was that bad. And then also Takario Davis and Prysock, who Lev talked about, too, just the length that these guys have, their size. I think there is returning talent, and I do think there's youth newcomers who can come in and make an impact and then including like price sock and Davis. like with their athleticism their size they're going to get burned at times but they're also going to make some plays but they may not have to if the guys i have them can stay healthy
1: well and even talk about a guy like Isaiah Mays, who's a guy that has maybe like he's a more middle of the road kind of guy in terms of upside and potential but he's got some talent mm-hmm. uh you know a couple of weeks ago we had justin spears tell a story against the in the in the the game against ASU, which we shall not discuss, <laughs> uh, you know, with our guest tonight, Michael Love, saying, are you ready for this trade stooks era?" Uh I don't think we were. And that guy's turned himself into a pretty reliable guy that even has potentially like NFL upside because yes. he's just a freak athlete that grew into a, a more NFL body. Right. You know, hopefully his leg injury is not serious and he can recover. But between Roland Wallace, trade and Stukes, I say Rutherford, that's a really solid top three, you know, like former four-star Isaiah Rutherford, transfer from Notre Dame. Isaiah Mays, I think, is a guy that's going to see the field. Uh, Prysock and Takario Davis, I think, are guys that you'd prefer to only have play a few times, you know, a few few games maybe and not be relied upon, but you know, there's like talent there today. There's talent there to develop for tomorrow. Uh, And I I think it's probably one of the stronger groups on the roster, probably in the top three, I think I would say, uh, as a room. Um, so I, I don't have too much concerns there.
0: No. And like Celestine's in that group as well as a cornerback. And what I like about that group, especially the younger players, the freshmen is that they have the size and the athletic ability. They just have to learn how to play the position, you know, but if you have that length, which they do, they're going to get tested. Cause I'd, who would rather throw against, you know, Roland Wallace or one of those guys if they're on the field, but they're going to make some plays. Like I said, they're going to yep. get burned at times if they're on the field, especially on the field a lot but are going to make some plays. They're going to bat some balls down. They're going to get their hands on some footballs because just the ability is there. And I think that's what I like about this group is that there's proven talent. There's a proven high-level performer in Roland Wallace who, I mean, he's on a better team. He's getting a lot more recognition because he is a good cornerback, a really good cornerback who's kind of been alone, like on an island, so to speak, on Arizona, on that defense. But he's a really good player. And then you figure out for trickle-down from there, there's solid players, and then there's intriguing talent. So I think they're okay there. Safety's another group. I mean, Christian Young people are super excited about this season. One of the key players on that defense, Jackson Turner, another free safety, of course. The other nickelish area, Gunner Maldonado's been rumored to be this first guy off the, you know, first guy there. Safety groups not bad. There's experience. If nothing else, there's experience in that group, albeit now playing in a slightly different defense than they had last season. Yeah, I think. The system is going to impact both the
1: corners and the safeties and what they're asked to do, right? Like the, these guys were playing in both groups a lot of man last year with Don Brown. You know, the the blitz every you know three times every play and four times on Sunday kind of thing. Um, so I'm intrigued to see how it impacts both the corners, but especially the safety groups. Um, you know, poor JY like a really easy kid to roof over. That guy got burned in coverage against slot receivers a mm-hmm. lot. Um, but also you look at guys that, I I think going into last season, we would have looked at the safety group with Christian Young and and guys like Jackson Turner, uh, you you know, Gunnar Maldonado and thought, this is not a terrible talent wise room. I think this is the position group where the system is going to dictate their success, uh, the most, right? Like if they're, if they're set up for success, as it were, um, you know, if you're putting, uh, Gunnar Maldonado. Maldonado against you know USC's five-star slot receiver that can run a four-three-nine forty uh, in man coverage, you're probably not setting Gunner Maldonado up for success. And like Leb was talking True. about like there, you know, it's not going to be as much man for those guys like it was last year, which is where like guys like JY suffered. Uh, I'm really intrigued to see how the system plays to the strengths of this group because Christian Young is a physical freak. He's big. He's fast. Uh, you know, he's an undersized linebacker and oversized safety, right? right. Um, I think, even correct me if I'm wrong, but I think even when he was like a freshman or sophomore, they toyed with him as a corner, which is kind of crazy yeah. to think about. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I, I've always been a pretty big fan of Jax Turner. Uh, there's other young guys like from Texas, like Dalton Johnson, I, I have some high hopes for, um, but I'm not sure he's going to see the field because I think there's some decent depth here. Mm-hmm. I'm not, you know, Again, is there star power? Maybe Christian Young, if at all, if the system fits him right, and he you know plays up to his physical potential. Um, you know, I'm not expecting a star turn from Gunnar Maldonado. I expect like a scrappy, you know, college safety guy, right? Um, I and uh, DJ Warnell, the, the transfer, I believe from UCLA, was it? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think he's also in that nickel spot where it's kind of that quasi safety, you know, slot slot corner position. Um, you know, there's, there's enough talent there with numbers that I don't think it's going to be a disaster, but I think it's incredibly dependent on the system and how they use it. And I think moving to a more zone based system will make this group, uh, look better on the field. Um, you know, is that, does that mean that the room is better or worse than last year? I'm not sure if it's better or worse or if they're just better utilized, but I'm confident the new system will be better utilizing this group.
0: Yeah, and sometimes this is a scheme thing, especially for the safeties. You know, their last line of defense back there. And, you know, if they're not up by the line of scrimmage and they can kind of play that safety role, that's going to be helpful. Of course, you're hoping that they don't – you don't want your safeties to have a ton of tackles. In a perfect world, the linebackers are taking care of most of this stuff. The safeties aren't responsible for it. But that's where having experience is super helpful. Because someone like Christian Younger, Jackson Turner shouldn't get burned as easily. shouldn't get confused as easily as a true freshman or someone who hasn't played a lot of college football. Will, albeit a new system, but this is also where playing zone can help. So I agree with that assessment. Like, there's solid enough talent here, and some intrigue to where this, you know, adding that to the scheme, which is like, could be more favorable to safeties, not looking bad anyway. You know, will they make a lot of plays? Hopefully not. You know, hopefully the guys in front are making most of the plays that we see. But the occasional, you know, deep pass interception, you know, where there's kind of playing a free safety and just slide over there and get the pick. Like, hopefully they get a few of those and do make some hits across the middle. Of course, they're going to be responsible for tight ends occasionally and what have you. But I like having experience there at the back end of the defense. I really do. It's one of those positions where I think it comes in really handy. So, you know, overall, <laughs> you know, Brett, that's the last position we've had. I, I think we were super excited where we should be, a little nervous where we should be, and that's just being an Arizona Wildcats person, right? I mean, this is a very interesting team where it's not like the non-conference schedule coming up. It's almost perfect because there's not going to be any chance like, oh, well, they looked good in that game, but they're not really that good. If Arizona wins some of these games, if they win one, if they win two, if they win all three of them, that'll show something. There's no accidental, well, you beat a cupcake, you're going to look good against them on this schedule. I think if they played NAU this year, they would stomp NAU. But NAU's not on their schedule this year. So we're going to know how good this team is very early on, like a real assessment very early on.
1: I I think that's right. And I think, you know, I mean, not even the talent level change. Like we talked about it a little bit with Lev. I think if you faced Arizona or Arizona faced NAU in year two, Jed Fish, you know, I think we talked about it. If... (laughs) Jed fish was just focused on winning one game he could have just said let's we're gonna never pass the ball against NAU and they should have won that game I would say right?
0: end of season Arizona would have beaten NAU
1: yeah but like I, so I think it's 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 a question of also like even the coaching staff changes and development if as it were like akin to the roster changes you know we have a new defensive system I freaking love Don Brown I would go run through a wall for that guy. But maybe Nansen has a better system that fits the talent um, to optimize it. We just uh, don't know. Defense
0: wasn't the problem last season, though. We can all, I think we can all agree on that.
1: Uh, I mean, well, it wasn't the biggest problem. I'll put it that way. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, I mean, the defense didn't win Arizona any games either, right? Um, they, they certainly didn't, you know, what I, like we keep talking about the Washington State game. The defense was a problem in that game. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Right. Um, So it's if you go if you win one game, there's plenty of problems to go around. But I think, you know, you look at these position groups, you can talk yourself into an optimistic take. You can talk yourself into some pessimism and concerns, you know, talking about like Christian Young. Like that guy could be a poor man's Adrian Wilson. Right. In terms of his skill set and like athletic freak nature where he's, you know, could have a number of sacks, a number of interceptions, be great in run support, and like as long as he's serviceable in coverage, he can be a, a real game changer, right? Um, but it's all about how I think Nansen is going to utilize the talent here and put them in the best chance for success. And it's it's going to be kind of fun to fun to see how that develops. Uh, and I just I, you know, I'm I'm torn between being the fan that is like I think we're going to be not bad to almost like decent but like then i look at the schedule and say to your point like you're gonna know real early on like there's there's no there's no cupcakes there's no uh there's no illusions there's no optical illusions in this schedule right no no um you know if and and like love said if if you come out of the if you come out of the non-conference schedule two and one i feel real good about five wins right um if you come out three and oh i feel real good about being a bowl team
0: um and there's no bad way to come out 3-0. and That's the thing. I think with this schedule, it's not like it's a murderer's row. Obviously, San Diego State is not a great football team. You know, they've had some changes, too. You know, Mississippi, like, they're not, these aren't amazing opponents. This isn't Alabama. You know, they're not, they're not playing one of those teams, like, that level of problem. They're not playing Ohio State, you know, but they are playing teams that, for Arizona, coming off the season they're coming off of, they're going to be underdogs, I think, in all of them. You know, I mean, granted if they, if they win the first two, then they're going to be favored against North Dakota State. Like that's I would think if they win their yeah. first two games. But I don't think Arizona's going to be a favorite. Like right now I don't think Arizona's a favorite to win either of these games. They're think like they're within a touchdown spread. So it's not like they're supposed to get their asses kicked. But you know, if Arizona play like they're going to have to play well to win these games. And if they do that, then yeah, they're going to be a good, they're they're a good team.
1: Yeah, I you know I hate to disappoint the Vegas knows all crowd, but like, I think Vegas views this team with even more of just a shrug emoji than the fans that are like, I don't know what is here um, because there's so much unknown with, you know, the changeover in the coaching staff. It's, you know, year two of Jed fish, the entire roster is fundamentally different. You know, he's just, you just, you, you, don't know what to expect. Um, my, the fan in me, of course, hopes that Arizona, goes to san diego state and just ruins their fancy new stadium experience for all of their fans uh but then you got to come back and op- home opener against a you know an sec team and it's not vanderbilt right mm-hmm. um so it's 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 going to be a mike leach team and i've i've been to some arizona versus mike leach offense uh games in my in my time and those have not been fun for me um you know i think if just to kind of wrap up the, the depth chart, it's, it's a microcosm, uh, each position group, I feel like it's a microcosm of the team where you feel cautiously optimistic, but you just, you just don't know until the lights come on and you know, it's, you're playing for, for, for real. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, I think that's why the range of outcome in the Macaulay sports is so wide. Right. You just, you, we, we don't know. And there's a, a million things that can change between game one and game four. Right. Um, but it's you know, it's gonna be a fun ride, I think. Even if it and the the beauty for Arizona fans is, you know, happiness is the delta between expectations and reality. And even as we're cautiously optimistic, we're talking four wins like, Hey, great season. This is so much more fun compared to the last two years, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. For sure. So we'll there's a whole football season. We got one more pod before the season opener next week and we'll do our preview of San Diego State, Arizona's week one opponent. But man, I, I think I think that does it, Brett. I think we've uh, we've finished the off season. fall camp of Wildcat Radio two is over. So, as always, everyone, make sure you're following us on Twitter at Wildcat Radio A Z. You might as well on Spotify and on iTunes. If you're on iTunes, give us a rating, give us a review. We'd appreciate it, and we will read that review on the show. Just tell us what you think. We'll read it. That's what we do here. <laughs> Anyway, we appreciate you listening to this week, and like I said, we'll be back next week to preview San Diego State and whatever else happens with Arizona Athletics because you never know. It's it's Arizona, you know, and the fall sports are starting. Like soccer's been off to a pretty good start for one. So yeah, we'll we'll have plenty to talk about with Arizona foot, Athletics and football next
2: week. But until then, remember to bear down. Bear down.